unbeknownst to him, just got his stick in the way of that or else it would have been a breakaway. Up the middle, Austin Matthews stopped by Hutchinson. And back the other way, here's number two, Line A shoots, he scores! So we got a packed house in the podcast room today. Don is here, and yes. we have a third mic. Dazer is here as well. What's up, Anth? It's good to be here in person and not, you know, battling the New York City noise. So it's good to be, you know, <laughs> in the lab with the guys. Thanks for having me. Don, when's the last time we had a third mic in studio? I know we had probably Greg. Had to be Anthony. Me. <laughs> Was it Anthony? Because we oh, did maybe, have Greg. Okay. Greg around the time of his. But then Dude. the audio was bad, and we didn't run it, remember? That's right. Because his chair was on our wire. Is that what it was? mic was cutting out. Yeah, I know the mic yeah. was in and out. That was for Greggy? Yeah, so That's we had to cut it. It was a good segment about him starting to be a dad or whatever, but yep, it was a bust. So the three of us are here today. We got an interesting show. So Mike Shope, it's an interesting thing for us to decide when's a good time to talk about Buffalo. Right. Beyond what Don and I would talk about. And it seemed like the perfect time because we had the Eichel injury and the start of the Sabre season and the surge of the Bills. I mean, there's some power rankings out there this week with them as, like, the third best team in the AFC. You know, top five team. And I think they're number four in DVOA. Yeah. I mean, uh, who does that? Shats said that. Uh, or shots. Yeah, Aaron Shots. Yeah. It says it's a little bit skewed. you got to take into account the New England game because they didn't have a quarterback. But, right. Uh yeah, I mean, they've been impressive. Yeah, so it felt like a good time, and I enjoyed talking to him. And then the other interview this week, uh, earlier in the week, we debuted the Lonely End of the Rink podcast uh, with Adrian Dater of I and I. And the first interview on that podcast is with Bob McKenzie, and I thought that would be a perfect opportunity to kind of do a simulcast of the interview over here. Sure. we get some cool hockey talk with McKenzie and a way to promote the uh, – promote the the new show as well so it is season six episode 29 october 20th 2016 looks like we're gonna do about 35 podcasts this season probably probably six or seven more so it won't be as many as last year but still decent there's some times this year where i was like oh man we are just not doing as many as usual. <laughs> Might be but in the end, it's just going to be what it always kids is. And, yeah. 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 Are You're on the shelf once in a while. Yeah, so it was so. A, an interesting year. But we're still going to get to probably probably at least 35, I would think, anyway. So with that said, I think we can start. We'll have a book club update. We'll have three one last things today. Right. Uh, so let's go. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. (laughs) This is the funnest night ever. (laughs) Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. The Cleveland Indians are the winners of the American League pennant. Uh, They defeated the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday as we record. Uh, to go to the World Series for the first time since 1997. Buffalo Bison's ties there. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of them. Bison's. Yeah. 
both teams had a lot right. of Bison's ties, yeah. uh, with the Blue Jays being the current uh, affiliate. Uh, but the Indians haven't been in since 97 when they lost in seven games to the Marlins. They haven't won since 48. Uh, so that if they were to win, it'd be the end of a large drought. As it stands now, the Indians win, it's 48. If the Dodgers win, it's 88. And if the Cubs win, it's 08. 19. Right, right. 08. So a pretty Jeez. decent length of a drought regardless. Yeah, over a 100-year drought. It's insane. There isn't one person on earth who's seen the Cubs <laughs> That's right. In the World Series. I just right. I just saw something on on Instagram Sports Center. Sixty seven consecutive seasons for the Indians, and the only streak longer than that is the Cubs. So it would be pretty electric um, World Series if the Cubs can get by the Dodgers. Yeah, if it's those two teams, obviously whoever loses is going to have the longest streak. Yeah, for sure. And the other team is going to be. I'm trying to think of out it. of that mess. I mean, obviously baseball has been around the long. I can't think of anything even close in other professional sports. That'd be like the Bills and who in the NFC. Like just football. Well, like, football, you got the teams who've never won it. But even that, I mean, like Houston like is only since right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's that'd be an impressive thing. People got to be pulling for the Cubs a little bit, right? Like, does anyone hate the Cubs? Like. White Sox fans, maybe? White Sox fans, That's yeah. That might be it. Right? And Cardinals fans. Cardinals fans. Okay. You know, and then maybe maybe there's some other NL Central teams. Who, did they, who did they beat in? The Cardinals in, are their main in rival. In 08. Like, is there still a in fan of that team? Yeah. It's better. <laughs> some guys still holding the grudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn Cubs. He's yeah. not alive, but. Right. Yeah, he's bitter from the grave. He passed his bitterness down his generation. Right. How, about, how about Cleveland, though? City champions now. Back-to-back yeah. back championship series. They're going to be, remember. Like when it rains and pours, it's good for Buffalo. Hopefully we can get at least one yeah. going yet. Remember in Pittsburgh, it was the City of Champions and the Pirates. Now the Browns are going to be the City of Champions <laughs> the and the Browns. Browns. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, it, it'd be a good World Series either way. I love watching the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw, so I would be fine with them. But, uh, obviously, I prefer the Cubs. I, you know, watching game one of the NLCS on Saturday in bed, I mean, they have been getting teased on Twitter, the fans there, for thinking every fly ball is a home run. <laughs> but that doesn't make it bad to watch on TV, though, because okay. there's just excitement every time the ball is put in play. Sure, yeah. You know, when the crowd reacts to every ball, uh, ball in the air like it's a home run, that's exciting to watch on TV. Chicago's got some star power in the audience, too, with Eddie, oh, yeah. Eddie yeah. Vedder, yeah. Uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. And who was the other guy down there with him? Ed was standing with Chelios, and then next to Chelios was the author or the uh, actor from High Fidelity. Cusack, Jack. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so they were trying to high five Ed, and he had his pencil in his hand, so he had to like awkwardly yeah. fist bump there. <laughs> is he was wearing a Pearl Jam he, hat. Yeah, he's keep wearing a Pearl Jam hat, keeping score at the NLCS. Just push a product. I, I love people who keep score, as if no one else is doing that for them. With Wait, the, Ed keeps score? like the radio in the ear. Yeah, he was keeping score at game one <laughs> oh of the NLCS. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, unless he's doing something else with yeah, the pencil. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. So that's kind of where baseball's at. I've enjoyed the hell out of the playoffs this year. Um, I really enjoyed the games. I didn't enjoy the whining of the Blue Jays. I'm glad they're gone. Yeah. I hope that team breaks up. Is Batista one one sixty hit in the, in the playoffs? He's whining about strike zone and oh, okay. conspiracy theories, and they're just a big bunch of babies. Maybe this is because of our location, uh, and maybe something to do with the Bisons a little bit too. But are the Indians like this year's? Uh, Blue Jays, like when the Blue Jays went to the World Series, people came out of the woodwork that I never knew were Blue Jays. Like fans. in the night in the early nineties, no, like, or last year when they made the oh, run okay, last yeah. year. Uh, they went to the same round. The CS yeah, yeah, yeah. lost to the Royals. Right, people yeah. came out of the woodwork, like as Blue Jays. Yeah, fans. the whole country of Canada came out of the woodwork. <laughs> now I see 
Indians, Indians fans guys, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I was at a bar the other day for my sister's birthday. And yeah, I think Indians that's, jerseys. And I think that's fair. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I just think Buffalo's in a tough spot. They don't really know where to go. So it's, I, I guess those are the two closest cities, right? So. And it's so hard to root for a baseball team if they're not any good. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the season can be such a grind. So You're going to lose. Check what, 80 games. You're going to lose yeah. 80 games, 90 games. That's a tough to cheer for a team that loses 80 games. But yeah. what, do you, what do you think tonight? I mean, Leicester's going tonight. I think the Dodgers, they have to win this one, right? Because well, they're not going to pitch Kershaw tonight. Kershaw, so, so, no, yeah. they don't have to win tonight. If they lose tonight and they win Game Six with Kershaw on the mound, right. then so you got a Game Seven. You got to figure that'd be Arietta going seven. But the, the Cubs have an edge from this point forward. Right. You pitching. have Arietta, yeah. Lester, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I would say the Cubs are. I think the the biggest game of the series for either team was probably the Cubs last last night. Because yeah. then they get Kershaw, it's over. Right? right. So now they've you know, they still could possibly face that fate of playing Kershaw in an elimination game if they lose Game Five, but. At least to be at home, right? As opposed to being, you know, in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, it's 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 you have Lester going, but you still have Kershaw kind of hanging over you if you lose this one. So it'll be interesting. <sighs> so everything's going so good for the Bills, and now we hear today that Lashawn McCoy won't play this week, and he could be out longer. Sit him, and if he's out longer, that means he misses maybe the bit. So you guys are Bills fans. When was the last time there would be a Bills fan? Is Bills game as big as the one in two weeks if the Patriots and Bills both win this week. You know what? I was as down as anybody about the Bills after two weeks, and I kind of bashed everything about them. Um, but if you look at their schedule right now, there is a real easy road to 10-6, and six. like reasonably easy. I mean, as a Bills fan, you can't take any win for granted, even Miami, but you've got a good road to 10-6. and six. So if that means sitting McCoy for whatever it would be, 18 days or something by letting him skip this game or 14 days, uh, let him skip it. Oh, you he's, can't. He's pretty much. He hasn't been ruled out by the team, no, but I mean, the reports are that yeah, he's, out. he's out. Yeah, yeah he's I heard out. Anderson yeah. said yeah. she was out, and then on the way, and I was listening to the local radio, and uh, Sal Capaccio, who we've had on before, said that nothing has changed with his status. But maybe that's him being a little professional, like right, not commenting on what essentially are rumors or whatever. R- running back injuries are the thing this week. Eddie Lacy's going to have ankle surgery. Yeah, he's he's going to go year. on IR, so he's done for the year. I don't like Eddie Lacy much. You know what? I heard... I mean, he's fine. Per- personally, I'm sure he's fine. But. Yeah. I, I, was, I was guilty <laughs> of reading one of the... Uh, sometimes I'll read a headline and not read the actual article, but I saw a headline on, on an, a Reddit post that said he's exactly the way he was last year again. So he's 30, which is about 30 pounds more than they'd like him to be. So, Which is, is a lot of pounds to kind of yeah, be overweight yeah. usually when you're running. But just to go back to, to the Bills, you know, a big game for me. Yeah. For me, I don't... I If, if we're 5-2... and two, and the Pats are either six and one, five and two, coming to Buffalo. I I literally can't think of a game where I was you know old enough to really care. Yeah. Where you know I'm I'm thinking about so I'm home right now, obviously, but I'm flying back to New York on Sunday. If well, I mean I think I'm I'm going to take a midnight bus on Friday, get back here Saturday morning, and go to that game with with with, with brother Greg. So for me, it just that just shows that this is one of the bigger games. That the I, games that come to mind are. Obviously, the play-in game against the Steelers at home Ugh. that they lost, the Willie Parker game. Yeah, against the hiccups. Uh, yeah. Also, the uh, first New England game of the season, the game that Lawyer Malloy made his debut, that they blew him out. out. That comes to mind. That's an opening day game. No, they haven't played. This is one of the things that Mike Shope likes to point out all the time is they haven't played a meaningful game in this drought. Yeah, this and would I be a big one. And I don't know how long. Now, 
But, like I said, the road to ten and six doesn't involve winning either of those two games. Like if if I'm taking a totally realistic either attitude, of what two New England and what New England, and then the following week they're in Seattle. Okay, but if you win all the games you're supposed to from there on out, um, you've got a real easy shot at it. And one of the games I kind of had as a loss earlier was Pittsburgh, and I I don't know that Pittsburgh's any type of world beater. So I mean, you can get to eleven and five and still Pittsburgh lose is much games. better at home. Is that game a home game or a road I game? I don't remember. So this, my, this Miami game, I mean, that scares. Yeah, you it have, scares you a living daylight. You cannot you just go in there and lay an egg. These are the me. kinds of games. Yeah, they lose, lose this game. Yep. Yeah, the division game on the road where you have New England waiting for you at home the next week. It just scares living. Daylight. I want to say it was Shope or another local, uh, Buffalo news writer that tweeted something along the lines of, "Whenever the Bills have gone in to Miami with a winning record during a drought, they've lost the game." And even boys, though Miami's been terrible, you boys ready to get yourselves in front of the TV on Sunday for Geno Smith versus Ryan Mallett? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that would have sounded cool two years ago, maybe. Would it have? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Gino, well, I'm out the Jets. How about Fitzpatrick just totally just laying an egg on that? What do they pay him this year? 15, 16 million? Yeah. And he waited out that whole summer and yeah. just. Funny, New York, life in New York, how quick they went from pay the man to sit the man, right? Yeah. I mean, that... everyone spent all summer in Jets world talking about how they wanted him to be re signed and then by. Seven weeks into the season, they all want him on the bench for Geno Smith. And that Bills game, that Thursday night game, he looked unbelievable. That's going to be a game. You know what? People, His numbers were great in that game. And it's the same with uh, fantasy people loved him. Who had a nice game. Three touchdowns. The running back, Forte. But the Bills really handled Forte pretty well. It's just he scored three times. And Fitzpatrick wasn't especially accurate. It's just his receivers were catching all the passes that were behind them. And uh it was the Decker one-two punch with Brandon Marshall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was hard. And then they had that, I don't know his name, weird last name. Yeah. One. That guy, if, if you know, if he's law, going, yeah. it, like, good luck. Go yeah, but the Jets, guys. are they're a mess. I mean, they they want to go into the tank if you're the Jets. Just call it a season. What are you, <laughs> one and six? One and five at this point? Are they that bad? I think they're one and they're, five. They're bad. Wow. Man, so man. That, that win against the Bills is the <laughs> yeah. only one they have. Huh? We want that one back, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Landry Jones, is a, we talked about, he's probably going to play this week for the Steelers. Yeah, Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger, did you see the video? He got hurt on a dirty play by an Adamic and Sue. That guy's just never going to be anything but a scumbag. Did he huh? step on him? Or? Kicked him, kind of. Kicked him, like, yeah. Kind of like a backswing kick. And it's the MCL? Is that what he hurt? Uh, no. It was like just something Same that needed thing to be cleaned Adrian. out. Same injury as Adrian, but he only needed a clean-up instead Not of like a repair. Okay. Yeah. okay. So is it the PCL? Is that the one, one of them? Adrian yeah, hurt? that's the other. That's the third of the three. It's the ACL, MCL, and then, yeah, sure, PCL. So, yeah, a lot of injuries all of a sudden. Yeah, football. Nobody can catch Brandon Cooks. He has a ninety-eight yard and eighty-seven yard touchdown already this season. Has anyone come close to those two yardages in a season for touchdown? I, I mean, it's probably. Like, but I, I don't know. I mean, but I would think beat. maybe. But th- those are two long ones. Those are long. I mean, and it's like it's funny too in the video of the the one this week. So it's Zach Sanchez, who was an, an OU guy, is the guy in coverage. And he kind of sits down trying to guard like a 10-yard post, mm. you know? And Brandon just runs right by him and breathes through that ball almost 50 yards in the air and put it right in his arms. Because he's running so fast that by the time Breeze stepped up in the pocket and threw the ball, you know, he the had guy's to throw 50, 50 yards down the field. Yeah, it's kind of like and that good win touchdown. They're like, the announcers are like, oh, it's a race to the end zone. And before he finished end zone, Cooks was probably in the end zone and <laughs> just pulled away from the guys. He's really fast. Um, he's really depressed, too. He can't do his dumb archer celebration. 
anymore. Yeah, I saw he like started to do it and then blew kisses or yes. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I do feel bad for him in the sense he's been doing it for three years and then some other guy did it, got in trouble for it, and now he's not allowed to do it. Yeah, it's almost hacked to talk about it, but the NFL is so boring. Ugh. Let these guys do whatever they want to. Who cares? What, what about what do you guys shooting think? A, of, everyone's ball. panicking about the ratings. The ratings. Yeah, yeah, what do you guys panicking. think about that? I mean, is it the election or? I think first of all, ratings and everything is down. Right. Um, second of all, it's still the most popular show on television. Yeah. Those damn millennials. You know, third of all, <laughs> they collected all that money for those ads, and we read the article earlier in the year about how they got record number for all the ads this year. So they have that in their pocket already. Yeah. They don't care about the ratings. I mean, next there, year, there might be guarantees. Right. And maybe an ad here and there, you have to maybe repay some money. Maybe. Probably not with the NFL. I'm sure they don't give you a very great deal. But yeah, next year, they maybe won't be able to ask as much. But we've always talked about this show about do is there a tipping point with them? We talked about how 100 years ago, the three most popular sports in America were boxing, horse racing, and baseball. And neither of those, except for maybe baseball, are in the top three anymore. You know, it's a sports podcast, but sports in general, I imagine, are probably down. And I mean, if everything like, cause, is cause down, because nothing is going to beat it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, it's down because you know, it's up baseball playoffs. Yeah. And that means it could be the Cubs. Yeah, Cubs totally. Sure. Totally. Cubs, yeah. yeah. OK. But I mean, I think what might be down is just maybe kids viewership. Uh, kids. I mean, I mean, you've got video game tournaments selling out the Staples Center and stuff like that. Kids are watching other kids stream video games on the Internet rather than total interest in football. So, I mean. I think you're never going to be able to worry about kids. Yeah, you just got to hope kids come around. Sure, I just. So, I mean, how much football did you watch? When I mean, you talk all the time about when the Bills were in their heyday, you were out kicking dirt in the right. yard with your friends, <laughs> right? But uh, so I mean, if kids in their heyday now are playing video games instead of kicking I dirt, think what's the difference? I think it's maybe just more things in general. Like we talk about how there used to be three channels, and now right, and that's. I mean, they're going to have to fight that. Right. I mean, and everyone's fighting that. You know, the, you hear about cord cutting and like The Walking Dead is yeah. the most successful show ever, but it, or right now, and it's like pales in comparison to like what Mash used to do. I think it's like Apple stock. It went on sale at a hundred or a little over. It got over a hundred right away. Climbed up. It was like in the one fifties, one sixties, whatever. And then it went down under 100 for a little bit. And then it settled in somewhere between those. And what they have after the the shakeup is. One of the richest companies in one or two richest companies in the world, regardless. Yeah, I you would. Know? So I think that if the TV ratings are like a stock, the NFL maybe has seen the highest, and now they're seeing a little bit of a dip. Yes. And I think it'll correct somewhere in the middle. And then when it settles in the middle, what do you have? Still, probably the most valuable commodity in television. Yeah, I imagine it will plateau somewhere, but and they it'll will just find a spot. It was probably too high, and it's just correcting, and now it's gonna. Just they will get nervous. They will get nervous, and they will make changes. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I mean, they will get do? nervous. They're gonna, they're gonna panic a little bit. You know, and they're what, gonna want to do something. How do you get people to the game though that aren't there already? I mean, other than maybe like the one complaint everybody has is going to the stadium is boring. Well, that well, okay. So attendance is down too, and viewership is down. You're saying. Yeah, it's down. Ratings are down. Okay, ratings yeah. and attendance, you're saying. No, I didn't say anything about attendance. Okay, because you said going to the stadium is boring. No, the one thing I was going to say is uh, the only complaint you ever hear is like, okay, we're sick of like 
score a touchdown, Ugh. go to commercial, kick the extra point, commercial. go to commercial, mm-hmm. kick, kick off, off commercial. commercial like yeah. you know, maybe the answer for the NFL is to build up red zone a little yeah. bit more. You know, make things like red right. zone more available for people with the lower attention spans. You know, maybe that's the next. You know, maybe the days of enjoy the days of spending eight dollars a week or whatever you I'm pay now for it. You yeah. know, that might be a three hundred dollar package in a year or two. Also, do you guys think? Like for me, you know, being 25, the Red Zone channel is is my number one watch. Do you think that affects the ratings that people are just going to that instead of watching the one o'clock CBS? If game? I wasn't Maybe. a Bills fan, or when the Bills get bad, I I you've got the two TVs, and I I bring down a TV on Sunday. I bring my bedroom TV down, and the I always say the Bills are on the big TV, and the the Red Zone is on the little TV. Unless the Bills are bad. And then the Bills get the little TV. Like, what if they're losing a game by 20, I, I swap them and I watch the red zone. Like, as a, as a football fan and, like, a fantasy football fan, if I had no team allegiance, it would be red zone. I wouldn't be watching a game, which I guess kind of takes the drama out of it, like, if, from watching it from end to end. But the, you just can't beat it. Yeah, I mean, I have two TVs. Saints is always on my one TV, and Red Zone is always on my two. And if the Saints aren't playing, Red Zone usually moves to one. Yep. And the biggest reason is because there's no commercials. And I think I said maybe saying goodbye to the reasonable price for it. That probably isn't what will go. Being commercial free probably is what will go. Yeah, but you know what you Because if do? they take a hit on ratings, they'll, they'll, and that's where they'll try to make up some of the revenue. They'll start selling commercials on Red Zone, what, especially if everyone loves watching it. What you could do if you want to sell some space do what soccer has always done soccer's commercial free put put an ad next to the scoreboard and just run it for the entire game people yeah, not and they might by that. they might adjust that way that's a great you know that's a great idea but I, I think that you will see especially if this lasts all season and let's say they they don't set a viewership record for super bowl this year you know if that's down maybe the lowest rated super bowl in six seven years there'll be some panic and they'll definitely they'll definitely react accordingly Whatever that means, I'm not sure. We'll find out. But so, all right. Let's uh, last thing. Let's transition to hockey a little bit. We played uh, the clip, the video to start the off the top last night was a showdown between the number one and number two picks in the draft this year. Um, Austin Matthews for Toronto, who's obviously got a lot of press for his unbelievable four goal first game, and then uh, Patrick Laney of uh, Winnipeg. And he gets – they're down 4 nothing in the game. Uh, Maple Leafs are up 4 nothing, And he scores to tie it, which was the second goal of the game, and then wins it in overtime for the hat-trick goal uh, after the goalie stopped a Matthews breakaway. So an exciting sequence there. And I thought it would be interesting, and I brought up points. So, so far <laughs> – I was going to ask this. Right, this is where I was going to go with it too. Like, so, so far we're – you know, uh, nobody. It doesn't look like anyone's played more than four games. So let's see, Don. Anthony's already looking at it. So how many of the top ten in scoring do you think you can get? Oh, scoring, score like point scoring. I thought you meant team points. Oh boy, I have no idea. I know Vanek's probably up there. Yep, he's number eight. He's got six points, three goals, and three I'm, goals. So I'm and sure McDavid's assists. up there. I'm sure McDavid's tied. There's a lot of guys tied with six. Is it is it Line or Laney? Line? I don't know how to say. He said Line. A. That's the line way he wants it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be up there with a four goal game. Matthews has got to be up there. Uh, let's see. Is Line a there? Line a only had a hat trick. Oh, that's right. That's right. Game. Yeah. Uh, yeah he might be in that six crowd. He's it's a huge five. crowd. He's in the okay, five, five crowd. Okay. Uh, is it all other young kids? All right. So here, 
Let's lay it out. Brett Burns leads the league in scoring with D-man. eight points. Where did he come from? I, I know, know we talked about him last he's year. He's on a search. Like he's like thirty something. And in, I think in I, honestly, I think it's San Jose. I mean, he was in Minnesota. He was always pretty good, but okay. I just think he opened just it up, and just the there. way they play it, I think they like get him involved more on in the offensive side of it. I think he just kind of embraced it. Eric Carlson, Chris Kreider, and Brad Marchand all have seven points. Marchand, man, he got paid, and he's and he's well, he's been on a tear right yeah, through the World Cup. World of Cup, he was great. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a huge group of six. I'll read them off. Pavelski, Mike Green, Paul Stastny, Thomas Vanek, Connor McDavid, uh, Mark Shifley. I probably screwed that one up. Shifley. Uh, Shifley, yeah. Uh, uh, the German kid from Edmund- that's in Edmonton. Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, yeah. Uh, Patrick Kane. One goal, five assists. Slow start for those guys, too. Yeah, that's a slow start <laughs> that's for literally, Kane. Yeah, their first couple games, they looked awful. Games. For him to have six and four was as – I mean, if you watch them, they did not look Teres, Blackhawk-like. Tarasenko is yep. there then. And the last one uh, – that was Tarasenko was the last one. So, yeah, I mean, the theme, I guess, is just young players. I mean, if you look at guys for goals, you know, Matthews is two. Uh, Line A is uh, – Actually, all these guys are tied with four. So <laughs> it's just how they're listed. But Tarasenko, Matthews, Panic, uh, Line are all tied with four. A lot of youth. Youth movement. Yeah. I so. think the one thing that doesn't surprise me, but McDavid people don't realize, is, is Pavelski. I mean, that guy is next level. If you Only Alex Ovechkin has more goals than him in the last two seasons, and I think he is consistently the most underrated player. Him and Kopitar, maybe it's the West Coast bias, but... You know, if if I were to put money on an MVP, you know, like a long shot, it's Pavelski, and he shouldn't be a long shot. I mean, that guy consistently delivers and, and just scores goals. Man, Lee Stepniak, never going away, huh? Ugh. Three goals, two assists, five points. He scores everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. I mean, God, what a career that guy has had. The thing I was going to comment on is uh, we were talking a little off to here how it was brutal. The day before the new season, you're excited about the Sabres and you get the Eichel news. Then the first game, you get the Kane busted ribs. Right. And then Austin Matthews scores the four goals, and it's everything that Twitter is about. But the silver lining, if you're a Sabres fan, is Toronto still lost that game. They still find they're right. terrible. Yeah. They are, and the same thing with Edmonton. That is a terrible. I don't know how that team continues to be so bad. They are terrible. Probably having a goalie that lets 200 feet shots and doesn't. Well, that help doesn't help that. either. But. Uh, and the they one, probably liked him, Talbot. That was a huge signing for them, and he's that, just a bust. That defense is hideous. Like. I jokingly said on Twitter that they should just play five forwards all the time. Right. The one of the goals in the Sabres game, it was a power play goal, but it looked like kind of like an odd man rush, even though it wasn't. It was just too easy on the. They are they are both bad bad teams, and I've watched a lot of bad hockey in Buffalo. They're just gonna try and outscore you. Well, here, yeah, I guess that's that's fun. Like, yeah, they are fun to the watch. Yeah, yeah they, they are fun to watch. Although they're not on TV much in the United States, <laughs> right, Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. don't you know? Don't look forward to watching on United States TV. All right, here's the shameless plug and the setup for what we're going to do the rest of the way. Uh, I debuted my podcast this week with Adrian Dater. It's called The Lonely End of the Rink. That's a hat tip or a glove stick tap to the Tragically Hip. And uh, it's soundcloud.com slash lonelyrinkpod. You can also find us on iTunes, obviously. Search The Lonely End of the Rink there. And we're on Twitter at lonelyrinkpod and email us uh, lonelyrinkpod at gmail.com. And the first guest on the first show was Bob McKenzie. Great get. Uh, from TSN, who was on this program uh, when he was promoting his last book, Hockey Confidential, which we enjoyed a lot. 
It's a really cool book, and he was a really nice guy. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break, and we're actually going to play the interview uh, that Adrian and I did for the Lonely End of the Ring podcast with Bob McKenzie. Uh, you'll enjoy that interview then. We'll do a book club update. We'll do the interview uh, with Mike Shope, and then Anthony, Don, and I will be back for one last thing. All right, our first ever guest is from Toronto, Ontario, and is a graduate of Ryerson University. He spent nine years as the editor-in-chief of the Hockey News and six years as a columnist for the Toronto Sun. Since 1996, or 86, when he joined TSN, he's been sort of the Adam Schefter of hockey in Canada. Uh, he's making his first appearance in the lonely end of the rink today. A warm welcome to Bob McKenzie. How are you doing, Bob? Excellent, guys. How are you doing today? Very good, very good. Excited about the start of the season. One correction there, Steve. Toronto Stars where Bob worked, not the Sun. I know he'd think that's important. There you go. Steve. Oh, did I say Sun? <laughs> Adrian's, been, Adrian's been a cop editor before. He knows. I have Star written down. Right yeah, good, good catch there. Two minutes oh, in. Two yeah. minutes in, we're already making mistakes. <laughs> Bob, looking back, World Cup of Hockey, you think it was a success or a failure? Um... I think it was a little bit of a success. I wouldn't call it a failure by any stretch. I mean, you're reviving a tournament that you haven't played since 2004, that in the previous times, and before that was 1996, and the forerunner, of course, is the Canada Cup. But the only one that's even comparable is 2004, because starting in 1998, NHL players went to the Olympics. That's been a game changer, I think, in the way we perceive what I'll call, for lack of a better term, September hockey. I don't want to be dismissive of the World Cup, but I think everybody would agree. And Babcock said it about a thousand times in, in Toronto during the World Cup. World Cup's not the Olympics. And because it's a tournament that's being played in September, uh, it's more and more difficult to get the entire hockey world engaged for a September tournament. Now, that's not to say there wasn't buzz. In the preliminary round, there were a lot of Swedish fans, Czech fans, Finns, Russians. In Toronto, the place had a bit of a festival atmosphere to it, and the Robin games were quite good, and everybody kind of got excited about Team North America and Connor McDavid and all the young guns leading the way. Um, but the tournament fizzled out fast after that, in part because the North American team got knocked out, in part because Canada was so much better than everybody else, mm-hmm. and the only team that really gave them a game was Team Europe, Europe which is, yeah. again... Not exactly a marketable or identifiable rivalry for Canadians to get excited about. Toronto's a baseball city now. Blue Jays are hoping to get to the World Series, but nevertheless, at that time, they were battling for a playoff spot. So I, I think they made some strides. Um, they're going to keep doing it. So it, it, I think they got a, a toehold, but only that. You talked about how exciting Team North America was, and Connor McDavid said, you know, to him it was kind of a one-time thing. He wants to represent his country next time. Uh, I've heard a little bit that that might be a one-time only thing. But regardless of that, if you were in charge of the tournament and you wanted to have it again, what would you change or keep the same to try to move these things forward and take the next step in four years? That's a good question because most people, if you were doing a debrief post-mortem on this 2016 World Cup, you'd say, what was the absolute best thing about it? And you'd say, Team North America, by far. Everybody in Canada, Mm -hmm. even in Canada, 
I, I don't want to say people were cheering against Team Canada, but if it had come down to Team North America versus Team Canada, I'm sure there would have been a segment of the Canadian hockey population that would have cheered for the kids, especially Connor McDavid. Um, they captured, captured everybody's imagination, the way they played, the speed and the skill. But, so, okay, so that's the best part of it. And now the NHL, and, and maybe rightfully so, is looking at it and saying, okay, I don't think we're going to do that again. And people are like, whoa, time out. I thought you were looking at what, what was the best thing from this tournament and you might get rid of it. I think there's a feeling on a couple of levels. Number one, you know, you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle again. And, and as, as successful as it was this time, would it work as well the next time? The other issue is uh, what you talked about. Connor McDavid wants to play for Canada. Right. And four years from now, he'd still be eligible for the North America under-24 team, but he doesn't want to play for the North American team again. So there's, there's a lot of considerations. The Americans were not happy that Johnny Goodrow and a bunch of guys, they didn't have access to. Um, we can, in their mind, their team. So I, I think you probably will see it as a one-off, even though fans liked it probably better than anything else in the tournament. So then what would you do to, if we're taking all the excitement out of it, how do we build on it? What do we do to, uh, what do we do to improve this thing next time? Well, keep in mind, too, if, if the NHLers don't go to the Olympics, the IOC wants the NHL to assume financial obligations that historically neither the NHL, the NHLPA, or the IIHF have done in 98 or 2002 or 2006, 2010 or 2014. So right now, NHLers are not going to the Olympics. So that would mean the only best-on-best hockey opportunity you have at the senior men's level would be the World Cup. So it might take on more significance if the NHLers aren't at the Olympics. That said, as I said off the hop, selling hockey in September, um, even best-on-best World Cup, is, is a tougher chore after fans have seen what the Olympics were all about best-on-best in the middle of the NHL season in February. Hey, Bob, uh, I think uh, shifting gears for a second here, uh, I think we'll agree that it's been a pretty fun first three days of the the NHL season, right? I mean, uh, Austin Matthews with his unbelievable debut, Connor McDavid, they they just immediately gave the NHL a jolt to the season and and the young kids and the the whole thing has been very exciting. Goal scoring has been a little bit up. Uh, but <laughs> I wanted to ask you uh, your thoughts on an interview Wayne Gretzky did a few days ago uh, with Peter Mansbridge in, in Canada um, about the game being too robotic and, and, and you know goal scoring is down uh, 5.4 goals per game last year. Hasn't been over six a game since 2005-06. Um, what are your thoughts on that, the great one's thoughts about that? I mean, is hockey becoming just too uh, difficult? To, to, is it becoming less entertaining in a way because of the lack of goal scoring? Is it too robotic in your mind, too? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, more often than not, that's the case. It's not always like that. Yeah. Um, but there's no question over the course of the last number of years, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to get scoring chances. It's yeah. and it's and people are going to say it's this rule or it's that rule. It's not. It's it's because the game's just become sophisticated because the coaches yep. are so damn good, and yep. and the coaching staffs have become much more like football. There's so much more specialization. Staffs yep. are expanding. The number of video. Probably the Leafs have not one but two video guys on the yep. team. 
and one did just to do work for what Mike Babcock wants, and and the other guy to do for for everybody else and everything else. It's becoming more like football, and I don't know how you legislate against that. I mean, the, you know, this would be a great game if 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 you just put one head coach on the bench, give him give him one assistant coach, a drinking buddy, if you will. <laughs> And uh, so when they go on the road, they've got someone to drink with. You know, I, I'm talking about stuff that can't happen. But, I mean, imagine if coach simply involved one head coach, one other guy. So one guy's changing the forward, one guy's changing the D. And you don't have video coaches and you don't have, any, you don't have a, a whole team of guys on the bench or up in the press box. You have no eye in the sky. And you just go out and coach. Would the game be better? Yeah, it would be. There would be far more mistakes. And mistakes are good. And and in the early going here, you're right, Adrian. The, the the first number of days of the NHL season were absolutely electric. And I don't know how long that's going to last because anytime we get electric, the coaches are pulling their hair up because that's not the way they want the game played. <laughs> that's right. So I don't know, you know, and I don't know how you combat against a game evolving and becoming more sophisticated. But the more sophisticated it comes, gets raw and give us lots of mistakes and players not doing what they're supposed to do. And, and that's fun, but that's not the way the coaches want it. And, and the coaches at the end of the day will win out. I'll never forget after the game one of the, I think it was the second round of the Eastern conference finals in 2006 between Buffalo and Ottawa, seven to six, Chris jury scored in overtime. And I thought it was one of the best hockey games I've seen. And I couldn't help but laugh at just the faces on the poor coaches after the game. You look like they had just, you know, walked through hell or something like, oh, no, we can never have that again. But listen. Well, I know. And yeah. the same thing on opening night. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, the Connor <laughs> yeah. McDavid show, and, you know, Glenn Gullison's like just shaking in his boots. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Todd McClellan wasn't happy. His team was winning and he wasn't happy with the way they were playing. So, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You know, Mark Babcock was thrilled because he's got some – He's got some skill now. He's got some weapons on his team in Toronto. And he said it was his best day behind the bench by far. But if, if the Leafs play all season long the way they did against Ottawa that night, they lost in overtime, you know the Babcock will be pulling his uh, finely manicured hair out. Hey, Bob, uh, I, you're, you have a great book that you wrote called Hockey Dad, uh, Confessions of a, I think, quote-unquote, crazy hockey parent. Uh, I recommend anybody yeah. to read it. It's a it's a great book and it was a bestseller in Canada and, and elsewhere. Um, you wrote that about what eight years ago, uh, and in the book you talked yeah, I'm not about. I'm even sure now. Probably five yeah. or six, seven, something okay. like that. Yeah, I think it's so nine. But uh, anyway, who's counting? Um, yeah, you know, you talked about the costs of parent of hockey to parents, um, and again, something Gretzky said the other day was that. Hockey's just becoming too much of a, a rich kid sport, and uh, it's going to hurt the league eventually because it's you, kids can't afford to play this game anymore. Um, and I wanted to ask you, as a hockey parent and as a hockey fan and as somebody who cares about this game, what do you see? Uh, what are your thoughts about that right now? About the, the the future of the game, if if only rich kids can can play it. Yeah, you know what is the problem? It's a big problem, and I'm not sure how you combat that. Um, other than, uh, you know, USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, we've got to continue to find ways to, uh, to, to try and subsidize the cost of the game, but that's enormously difficult. The equipment's expensive. You know, I mean, if you want to play soccer, you, you grab a pair of soccer shoes, a pair of shorts, and a T-shirt, away you go. 
I got, um, you I run got parents, on an open field. You, sorry to interrupt. I got parents who tell me it's like minimum ten grand a year usually to, to play. And there's a Colorado has yeah, a huge yeah. club scene. Yep, yeah, it's crazy. And you know, and and even in the states, I mean, you in many cases you have to travel further to play games, so therefore the cost goes up astronomically. Um, so I don't know what the answer is, but you're, you're right. There's no question that that um, it's going to become more and more difficult for working class people to, uh, you know, to, to put their kids in hockey. And it's always been expensive. Don't, don't get me yeah. wrong. Cause I, I, listen, my mom and dad were, you know, lower middle class and, and my dad had to work two jobs and my mom worked and a lot of that was so I could play hockey. And, and, you know, a lot of parents are doing that same sort of thing now, but it's becoming next possible for a lot of them. And that's really unfortunate. So I would say the cost of the game, um, people worried about concussions will be a big issue in terms of affecting a role enrollment in the, the game of hockey. Um, so there's, there's a lot of challenges ahead to, uh, for Canadians and, and Americans to maintain and try to grow their base. The Willie End of the Ring podcast here, finishing up with Bob McKenzie from TSN. And, of course, he's uh, on NBC Sports occasionally in the United States when they air the games here, if, if you're watching in the United States. Uh, also, a new project, the Bobcast debuted. Tell us a little bit about the podcast, why you're doing it, and where everyone can get it. Probably the same reason you guys are, because we're nuts and we <laughs> have free time. And, uh, uh, why would you have free time and you could do work? <laughs> Cram one yeah, more thing yes. um, But aside from aside from that, I just thought it'd be a fun way. To, in, in my instance, I'm only doing it every other Friday during the season, and um, rather than try to coordinate guests, at least in the beginning, anyways, it's more of an interactive question and answer thing. If somebody has a question they want to ask me on hockey or just about anything else, um, they can send it to Bobcast at BellMedia.ca. That's B O B. C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca and uh, we'll take a select number of those and kind of have some fun with it and do 30 minutes to 60 minutes every other Friday and have a few laughs. What's been the most asked question you've got so far? What's on everyone's mind the most? Yeah, you know what? In the early going, everybody wanted to know about the the, the unsigned restricted yeah, free agent. A lot of Jacob yeah. Truba questions. Yeah. You know, a lot of interest in Jacob Truba and... Uh, um, you know, lots of teams want him, and uh, Winnipeg doesn't really want to trade him. But uh, we'll see where this one goes. And uh, but that would be that would certainly be uh, one of the most soft asked questions. Very last thing, Bob, and we'll let you go. This, this podcast is named with a wink to uh, one of the greatest bands in the history of Canada, the Tragically Hip. And it's been a long summer for us hip fans, of course. And uh, you wrote beautifully in the summer. Uh, a beautiful piece on uh, tsn.ca about your feelings about the band and everything that's went on with Gordani's health. And he, he talked a little bit on the national the other night. I got to watch that thanks to the beauty of the internet and being in Buffalo, we get CBC anyway, but uh, you know, you got to see a show. I think you went to the, one of the Toronto shows. I was at the Hamilton show. Yep. Uh, we all watched all hip fans and all of Canada. 21 million people watched the Kingston show. Uh, how do you feel today uh, about the band and uh, about Gord and, and just what are your feelings right now after seeing the interview, uh, maybe yeah. a postscript to the beautiful article you wrote? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really hard on so many levels because obviously Gord's in a tough way and uh, Buddy's handling with all the, the courage and grace and dignity that you'd expect from, from him. And it was really 
unbelievable how that last hip tour and, and obviously the final show in Kingston on that Saturday night um, sort of transcended almost anything. Um, it, it's right up there with one of the biggest national events that I, that I can remember in terms of how the, the entire country seemed to embrace it. And it just tells you how much that Downey and the tragically hip and their music has meant to so many Canadians over so much time. And, you know, they're like the, the guys in the band next door, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's really emotional, especially for anybody who knows Gord at all and what a wonderful person he is and uh, tremendous family guy and uh, how difficult it must be for him and his family and the guys in the band and, and for all of us, really. So just... Uh, just wish him nothing but the best in, uh, in, in whatever time uh, Ward's got left, and he's, he's using his time to, to, to devoting himself to the important Aboriginal rights in, in Canada. Uh, he's a big clean water guy with uh, the water keepers, and uh, uh, just uh, a guy that, that's always cared deeply about uh, his country and wants to make it better. God bless Gord Downey, right? Uh, Absolutely. You can, uh, again, find Bob on Twitter. He's at TSM Bob McKenzie there. 1.4 million followers. Join the party. Uh, you can also watch him on TSN, of course, and in the United States on the NBC Sports Network. And we're excited uh, to debut with him uh, with uh, the, our podcast. And, of course, his, the Bobcast, is available on iTunes and wherever you get podca- podcasts. Bob, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks, thanks Bob. Anytime you want to cut me off a couple hundred thousand of those Twitter followers, too, you just let me know, okay? All right, I want to thank Bob McKenzie for being on another show that I also do so that we could play it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to thanks to Big Bob for that. Uh, book Club, the house is still filled with books. Please email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. I have books for you. The first book, Playing Through the Whistle, Steal, Football in American Town by S.L. Price. Uh, we've been talking about this book for a long time. It started out as a column on Sports Illustrated, which then became a video on Sports Illustrated, and it's now become a book, not on Sports Illustrated, right. but like in bookstores. <laughs> uh, and um, Mr. Price has been on this show probably six times maybe since that article ran, and every time we talked about how this book was coming and where it was going and all that. And it's finally a, a, a real thing that's available in stores uh, now. Uh, it came out in early October. Did you guys see the video I did with Paula selling these books? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. yeah. Just roll around the ground. Yeah. She, was, yeah. she was pushing it pretty good. Uh, yeah. I was handing her the books, <laughs> saying all these things. Uh, so playing through the whistle, steal football in American town. I'm actually reading this one now. I'm about, 130 pages in and it's really a history book i would say you know it's it's about the history of a city that was let's say it was some size and that size was able to produce these good football players Mm -hmm. like mike dicka and then it got smaller but it was still able to produce ty law and then it got even smaller but it was still able to produce darrell revis just cranking out players. You know, and yeah. it, it doesn't matter how hard things have gotten in, in Alcoba, Pennsylvania, the town that this is about. 
it doesn't matter that steel left, you know, or that there was more crime or more drugs. Uh, football still kind of united the town, and they're still having NFL Hall of Fame quality players come from this small area, you know, outside of Pittsburgh. So uh, playing through the whistle, steel football, and an American town. I'm very excited for our friend Jeff Perlman. He was on Jim Rome the other day. He was on Colin Cowherd the other day. He wrote a blog about how he showed up to Cowherd in a hat and basketball shorts and a T-shirt. So he thought it was a radio show, <laughs> only to find out that it was a TV show. That's unreal. He was not dressed appropriately. What did Colin so. have to say? Uh, well, they gave him they they gave him clothes wardrobe, to yeah. go shopping yeah. real quick. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so his book that he's out there promoting is Gunslinger, The Remarkable, Improbable, Iconic Life of Brett Favre. Uh, as soon as I'm done with Price's book, I'll jump into this one next. Uh, and obviously with Jeff, I think we'll make sure he's done everything there is to do uh, plugging this book before he gets on so we can talk to him about doing all those things. So I'm interested to find more out about doing Rome and sure. uh, all those things. But I've read a, I've read a, a bit here and there. He had an excerpt in on Bleacher Report, uh, and I read through that. And it was about Aaron Rodgers and how the very first thing Aaron Rodgers ever said to Brett Favre, he called him like grandpa or made an old man comment to him. And like, was a bad move. And then and, went on to sit behind him for how many years? Five Five treated Aaron Rodgers like shit. They just did not get along. It was not a mentoring uh and mentee situation. Aaron yeah. Rodgers didn't get along with many people. Yeah. So um there's a lot of uh really interesting information about the relationship that Five and Rodgers had. Spoiler alert, not good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I'm really excited to read uh more. Listen, this guy he writes the best sports biographies in the world. I mean, Sweetness, his Walter Payton book, is maybe the best sports book I've ever read. You know, and the key, and he'll tell you, and he will on this show, is he just nobody does more. I mean, he does 500 interviews for a book like this. You know what I mean? And just when he thinks he's talked to everyone, he talks to one more person, and it shows with the with the stuff that he gets in the books. And I'm really excited to talk to Jeff. Uh, another one of our maybe first-ish books that we did on this book club was War Room by Michael Holly, And I loved War Room. And he has a new book. It's called Belichick and Brady, uh, Two Men, the Patriots, and How They Revolutionized Football. And we have to time out having him with the big matchup between the Bills and Patriots. So that would mean he needs to be on next week, right? Has to be, yeah. I mean, that's... We want him, do we want him ahead of the game or... After the game, yeah, the Bills got to do their part. Just go beat Miami, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Before, or after, I would, I would say, if the Bills win say, this week, I think yeah, it has to be before. If we're five and two, you got to have them on before that. Yeah, if yeah. they lose this week, we would want to do it after. Yeah, which I have a bad, bad, bad feeling about. <laughs> but <laughs> different story. But yeah, the two men, the Patriots, and how they revolutionized football. Belichick and Brady. Um, I love Michael Holly. He's and I love War Room. I haven't gotten a chance to read any of it yet i'm not gonna lie and say i did but i'm excited to and i have copies i have copies to give away so um the sportscasters at gmail.com and then someone that found us don eric merlis uh he found us and he said i love your book club you do fantastic things will you please please feature my book i said all right his book is called i was there uh joe buck bob costas jim nance and others 
relive their most exciting sporting events of their lives. It's kind of like that Yankees book that we had when Yankee Stadium closed. Remember uh, Alex Belf put it together? Okay. Where he got all the different writers and uh, media people to come in and tell their favorite moments of Yankee Stadium. Uh, it's kind of like that. You know, it's different. Like, really cool idea, yeah. You know, there's uh, the, uh, you know, like he says, the, the Jim Nance chapter. And it talks about, you know. Tyreek Hatch. I just turned on to Bob Lee from SportsCenter and Outside the Lines. Uh, he's talking about a Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees game at Yankee Stadium on June 8th, 1969. Jeez. So your game would be yeah. the the Chris Drury game, I imagine. If, that I was there if for? If you have to be there. Um, You're talking when he scored on Lundquist, right? Yeah. I mean, I was. We're in the, were you in the game? I was no, in the we parking lot. We were, at <laughs> we're at outside, the, yeah. At the square thing. I mean, that counts. Oh, I, I thought was, you were in. No, no I mean, that we was. Outside for okay, that I was, was outside there, too. That was ridiculous. I was in for. The year before, I was in for Briere's so two tea. overtime winners. Okay. So, yeah. So, what would I say I was there for? Definitely some, yeah, Sabres playoff game. Yeah. I don't know which one was. You know, it probably would be game six of Carolina. Just because walking, the whole story would be about walking out of the arena and how unbelievable. Our, our arena is built. It's got a kick-ass atrium. And it's so cool to walk out of after an unbelievable Sabres win. And, I mean, people are. I mean, everyone walked out of that. We want a cup. We want Saying, the cup chant. Yeah. Believing we were going to win the cup, yeah. yep. and we would have if Jamie Key didn't wake up with a staff infection. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yep. um, but yeah, yeah. I guess that would be probably be it for me. Maybe even my first Saints game. I mean, that doesn't register much. But there's an interesting story about how the trip had to be delayed because of 9/11. Oh, you know, right. my first Saints game was supposed to be the week that was canceled because of 9/11. So, uh, but yeah, I was there by Eric Merlis. Uh, Joe Buck, Bob Casas, Jim Nance, and others. Oh, and by the way, we ignored the most obvious I was there moment, the 2013 National Championship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. We oh, were both guys. there for that. Right in my right. face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would definitely would happen. Would that be yours? Yeah. I was, I'm actually trying to think. I can't, I, you know, like, it's just the Buffalo me. I never really been to a, I, it would have to be some Sabres game. I would probably throw the jury in there because I count being outside with 15,000 people as just as much as being inside cuz that was ridiculous the reaction. Or you were at the Carolina one of the Carolina games they won. Yeah, but that that wasn't like a huge moment. I think they kind of blew them out that game. But also just quick RIP to to Consol Energy Center. It's no longer the Consol Energy Center, right, which yeah, is they got a new sponsor. It's some paint hideous name, but Yeah, that's right. Just a quick shout out to Consol for all their sponsorship. Thank you. All right, well, let's take a break and keep the Buffalo talk going with Mike Show. Penny Lane there is a bob showing photographs. All right, our next guest is from Grand Island, New York, and is a graduate of St. John Fisher College. He's the current co-host of the Mike Show and the Bulldog Show on WGR 55 here in Buffalo. He's making his second appearance on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Mike Shope. Hey, Mike. Hey, Steve. What's the, what's the record for most appearances? Lee Jenkins holds the record with 20. Lee Jenkins? Yes, Lee Jenkins. The, uh, i got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, everyone is excited because he's, he's slowed his pace a bit. He's gotten more busy over the years. So people are, uh, John Wertheim is chasing him down aggressively. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a fun competition over at the SI offices. I'm sure they spend uh, spend a lot of time discussing it. Yeah, right. 
I was excited. Well, what are we going to talk about? What well, do you want to talk about? I think I want to talk about radio first. I was thinking about you. This is a swear, an honest-to-God thing I thought about for whatever reason. Uh, last week, we were all just, you know, enjoying a Tuesday or a Wednesday, whatever day it was. And we probably simultaneously across the region clicked onto our Twitters to find out that Jack Eichel had injured himself. And mm-hmm. I think one of your it must have been that one of your tweets was just a few after the one that where I discovered it. And it it drifted me off to I wonder what this means for Mike now. Because it was later it was almost the afternoon and I was thinking, how did this just change his day? How did his radio show just change and what's the process there? How do Mike and the Bulldog now coordinate what they want this show to be? About three hours before, or four hours before, the show was going to be something else, I assume. It's way less structured or formal, if you will, than it used to be. The longer I've been doing it, and I think I would speak for Chris about this, the more natural it becomes. Eichel was a little bit before noon, and it's right around then that I start to think about it. So I had not come up with any idea before that that day and when it's in season as it is for the bills i don't spend as much time thinking about what we're going to do as i would in the summer right so there was no um, there was no plan in place or anything yesterday is maybe even an example also of what you're asking that LaShawn mccoy got hurt right in practice in yeah. practice and that was somewhere around 2 30 I guess, and of course we had no plan to talk about that, that possibility. So um, we spent, we got to three and we're just sort of riffing on him. And that's, that's the point about it being more, or less formal rather, because when I was younger, there, there was, very, there was much less riffing. <laughs> it was, I would even write down, I would even, I would even write down scripts when I was working alone, just to be that sure that I was going to know what to say or what I wanted to say. And now I, I mean, now I would never do that. And why do you think it changed? Was it the experience? Was it confidence? Was it just kind of a natural progression? Uh, why do you think the show evolved yes. this way? Ex- experience breeds confidence, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there, 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 were, there were times when I was encouraged to be less, I don't know, rigid or uh, like the, the, the script thing might have been holding me back. You want it to be conversational and it takes work to make reading a script sound conversational. So it was a combination of feeling more comfortable and some uh, good advice that I got. I was driving home the other day and I got to catch a little bit of the interview that you guys did with uh, Coach Rex Ryan this week. And... It was really interesting. Uh, I think you guys were even talking about kind of the relaxed nature that the winning had breeded into the interview and kind of the different tone. And I think you cracked a joke about how, you know, you didn't have to ask him about an incorrect decision or a punt or forget how you phrased it. But I was wondering if that kind of change in energy has transferred to the rest of the show, to the callers. Or is it still real edgy? Are people going to not change until a playoff game, no matter what happens? Or 
Is it starting to change, or do we need the win over New England? Buffalo need the win over New England. How will that evolution occur? Well, that's a very good question. There, there are there are two different entities to consider. One is the fan base, which is one way of answering that, and the other is talk show callers who represent a small portion of the fan base and also a different portion of the fan base on any given day than the last day. Um, you know, why Why do people call in? There, there are people who call in because they just like to do it, whether they really have anything interesting to say about what's going on that day or not. And I tend to stay, try to stay away from those guys because I think that can be really boring to listen to. The, um, the other kind, though, is reacting, and you're likelier to react to something like that way when you're upset. So when they're winning, that guy is standing down, which means we're talking more, and the show may not sound any different if you just judge it by who's calling in, because people who are calling in tend to be upset. <laughs> um, we, they could go 14-2. and two. And if you just went by callers, it might sound the same as if they lost their games. Maybe not all the way, but to a point. So whether that's translated to callers, that's sort of um, more relaxed attitude. Not exactly, but that isn't the same as saying that it hasn't translated to fans. Because I think, you know, fans are people, and fans are probably overall pretty happy with this. Yeah, they should be. I mean, it is an exciting time, but... I do still feel, just in my own life, uh, as uh, just a resident here, uh, a person whose family is, you know, Bills fans, things like that, I still do sense an, an uneasiness and kind of a willingness or kind of a thought of, listen, as bad as it's been for 16 years, we've kind of been in similar spots like this. We've had runs like this. And I'm not going to let my guard down until there's a playoff game settled for sa- scheduled for Saturday or Sunday. There are definitely there are definitely um, those fans. I, I mentioned one friend of mine yesterday told me that she was and at halftime with the Bills ahead and looking good. She said they all thought they would lose. Um, that, that's just that's just what happens. I think. I mean, that's what all the years of Bills teams that have generally been letdowns has has wrought. On, on the fan base. And Buffalo has probably been a fairly cynical town, relatively speaking, for longer than that, um, for, for, you know, societal reasons. Um, I, yeah, I think that's probably right. I, I don't, as I say on the air, I would never blame anybody for being careful with this. And I think of myself as being careful with it. Like, I'm not ready to sell the farm and bet that money on on the bills to make the playoffs or anything. I mean, it, it's... It's it's reasonable to be uh, cautious. It's very fair. It's very fair. But you you got to enjoy it, you know. I want to. I look at the. I look at the show that you do as kind of having three very distinct parts in it. There's the part where Mike and Bulldog are talking back and forth about whatever the topic is. There's the part where Mike and the Bulldog are talking to a guest, and then there's the third part where Mike and the Bulldog are talking to the callers. 
And I was wondering how you kind of prioritize those three things. Which ones, which of those you enjoy more, which enjoy you enjoy less? I think I know part of the answer, but I'm interested to hear. And also if there's any other categories that you think fit in there as well. Well, I'm sorry, I missed the last part of your question, but I'll answer it and then you can tell me what I what sure. I need to answer after that. Yeah. Um, I, prioritize. I don't love guests. I like a few of them. I like certain ones, but generally I don't feel like our show is better off having a player on almost, almost ever. Um, I don't really care the, the ups, one of the, one of the up, part of the upside of that is the appearance that, that you're like on top of it. And it can be interesting. Oh, they have Sam Reinhardt on or something like that. That has some value, but to me, those interviews are usually so tough and dry and often boring. Mm -hmm. And I I would bear some responsibility for that. But the the players are so careful now that it's just, I don't know. I I would, I don't really get excited for that. And we don't do very much of that. Um, Guys that I know are going to really open up. I love having on like Rob Ray. He's not afraid of saying anything. So that's, that's really fun. And that's really what we want. So I would put, guests by like how i'm taking this question i would put them third you know callers it's it it really varies like i i don't feel like we ever really need them and i, w- I want to do the job that way like if if everything breaks down and there are no callers then so be it we'll be fine but you know it is interesting to listen to a radio show and hear random people call in with whatever and hear hosts react i just Whatever show I'm listening to, I need the host to be real about it. And if they're not, I'm disappointed. And then I guess the last part that you didn't hear is, do you think there's another part of that, of the show that I missed that doesn't fall into those three categories? Oh, okay. Um, No. As long as we're talking about topics that are sports-related and not in your first category, then uh, no. I mean... it's it's he and I talking about whatever it is. Probably since last time we talked, and it says here it was actually 9-11-2012. So that's about four years. Obviously, there's a lot more podcasts. Uh, media has evolved. Consumption of media has evolved. Uh, the way we consume it with our phones, things like that. How have your listening yep. habits changed or say the same? What do you listen to, and how does it affect your show? Okay, well, I I listen to a few podcasts, and I still I'm not at a point where I can or want to do that in my car, okay. which is where I spend most of my time listening to whatever. Right. Um, the thing that I think I I've been influenced by from that is style. It's that there there's so much generally. I mean, there's so much less formal that um, I think I've sort of ad- adopted a little bit of that style into my work. And if, if, it, if it makes sense, less of sort of the old-fashioned kind of radio um, broadcaster style, which might be, it could just be in the words. It can be in telling people what time it is. It can be in, you know, maybe anything. But a couple of podcasts that I really like are, are very loose and freewheeling, and very creative, and um, 
I, that's what I love about them. And I, I would say that I've, I've made an effort to be more like those. What's your favorite, what's your favorite one? Effectively wild, which is the baseball prospectus podcast, Ben Lindbergh and Sam, Mil- Sam Miller. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. I know you love analytics and I was actually going to ask you about analytics and ask you if you think that we're to the point as a collective where you can do as much with analytics as you would like to in your show, or if you think that uh, the collective in the area, the listeners still quite haven't accepted it to the level that it needs to be to spend as much time as you might like to uh, making your arguments based on those analytics. I think the less most people have heard my argument before, the better it is for me. So I don't need everybody like I take, take uh, punting in football. So <laughs> I think teams, I think teams should punt less often. If they start to do that, I need another move. <laughs> like I, I'll need something else that, that helps me stand out. One thing uh, more about the effectively wild podcast is it's analytics, but it's more. I was speaking of is more like this. So one day, they got an email or just had a thought, and one of them asked, how, how good would a team be if they went the whole season without a center fielder? And, like, all the different layers of that were brought up, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm listening, what about this, what about this? It's, it's, um, it's pretty far out there, and it's, of course, completely just imagined, but it's that, kind of, it's that kind of discussion that sometimes I think is really, really great to listen to, really fun. So analytics-wise, I don't need everybody to be convinced. I don't need um, really anybody to be that respectful of it. But it has to have some some credibility for me to get away with, to be able to get away with using it like I, like I do. And uh, I think it has that. You know, it feels to me as a, as a host of a, of a show, a much smaller show than yours, but uh, as someone who, who talks to, to people from different sports – I feel like baseball is a sport where I most need to be ready to understand analytics if I'm going to get into a conversation with our with our guests and sound smart about it. Jonah Carey is a good friend of the podcast. He's one of the double-digit guys. He's been on often, and we're really fond of him. And Jeff Passan is, uh, was our first guest and is another baseball guy who's a good, uh, a really good friend of the podcast. And I feel like when Jeff is on, there is a – He's kind of a tweener. He's not a, an old school guy, uh, but he's not all the way to to Jonah's side of the analytics. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a balance there. And, and in playoffs, uh, this is something I wanted to ask you about with playoffs because it's baseball playoffs right now. Last year before playoffs, we had Jonah on, and we never got into a great groove. We were talking about it after. We never got into a great groove because Jonah was so uncomfortable with the sample size in playoffs. And I could tell that it was really kind of um, kind of restricting his arguments and, and the way he wanted to discuss the series. He didn't, I don't think we, we, we were on the same page. Uh, it, it just didn't work very well. And we're in the playoffs right now. And I wonder how your attitude uh, all season towards baseball uh, changes when we get into the playoffs. When we do deal with a, a short series and so many of the metrics that we lean on uh, maybe aren't is easy to predict outcomes because we have guys like Kershaw pitching three times in a series or whatever it is that changes in the smaller format. What I completely uh, relate to Jonah Carey in that, yeah. in that respect. I, I, I think what it does, the effect that it has on me is it reduces the enjoyment because 
from when the World Series or the the playoffs meant so much, meant everything, really. Now I think they mean less, and part of the reason they mean, to me, part of the reason they mean less is because I think the outcomes are so random. It's, it's partly because of usage, like Kershaw, but I think it's mostly just how the game goes, whether that one hard-hit ball falls in or is caught, or that one blooper falls in. I mean, Cleveland, in Cleveland-Toronto, Cleveland really did not hit the ball much, if at all, harder, better than Toronto did. But they won in five. So, what in the old days? What would we have? The old in the old days, we'd have wow, Cleveland is really clutch, and Toronto is really. They lost last year too, a bunch of chokers. Whatever sort of simple myths, probably the you know people fans would say. And I, I, I was comfortable in that world. I, I came to love sports in that world, but now it's just so not good enough, and. Now, when Cleveland beats Toronto, even when the series is in the beginning stages, I don't care that much because I feel like it's just sort of random who's going to win. And even in a four- or five-game series, I think that can be said. I think that can be said of Cleveland-Toronto. There certainly were problems Toronto had, and since they lost, you can run them down. But if they played five more games, it's totally believable that Toronto would win four. Right, it could be five-five, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just how it falls. So that's my answer. My answer is it takes away from the enjoyment of it, which, you know, is really never a good thing. But I don't mind because I love the regular season. Very very few people that I read or hear really stick up for the regular season in sports. And I'm happy to do that. The six-month accomplishment of winning the most games is more impressive than winning in a span of one week. When you look at that Cleveland-Toronto series, and you hear things like, you know, Cleveland didn't score a run in any of the games after the seventh inning, I don't think. You know, the way uh, Francona managed the bullpen has been something that I've heard a lot when people discuss the series. Are those topics interesting to you? Uh, or are you just kind of over it and, and it's kind of saying, you know, how you say it, it kind of diminished your enjoyment of it. Is that kind of an example that the series kind of ends and the storylines that are buzzing around just don't interest you and you're just kind of ready to move on to whatever's next? What what lacks for me is the enjoyment of watching it and caring about the outcome. Okay. It doesn't, what, what isn't diminished is the strategy. I love the strategy. The strategy in sports is, the, is by far for me my favorite thing. That's what we can talk about. Jumping and catching a ball like Odell Beckham does is very few of us can relate to that. You never hear a conversation about how you actually do that. The guy doing it probably can't even describe how he actually does it. It's about, you know, the play call and the coverage and everything else. That's the fun part. So Francona and the Indians, I love it. They they made a move toward what I think the future looks like by using Andrew Miller like they did, and a lot right. of people are talking about that. I love that conversation. I just don't for lack of a better word, respect that they won as much as I used to or that Toronto lost as much as I used to. It's just more to me how it went. These kind of strategical choices and advantages that teams can avail themselves to when they win, I feel empowered by that, and I think that that's important. But it's just not quite the same to sit down and digest who won, who lost, and why. It's just different. It's about like like everybody says now. It's about process more than more than results. And 
the process is more interesting to me to talk about than uh, than the results in in kind. Can you think of who the last World Series champion was that you respected uh, the way you describe? <laughs> like, when did it change? Do you think? Can you can you think? Like, was it the Twins in '91 or was it the last Blue Jays? Seems like did it change after the lockout or the strike? I guess in their case, you know, was, were the '93 I, I, Blue Jays the last one, and then the '95 Braves changed it? Or, or I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I. I guess I, I didn't want to use the word respected because, like, respected, right. who am I, right? And I, like, didn't, won the I World didn't mean Series. to mean it either. I, I didn't, uh, like, yeah. That, that's not really it. But, I mean, I, I enjoyed all those World Series. In the last few years, it doesn't mean as much to me who won, so I'm not always watching them. Um, you know, I think this stuff works in, uh, in retrospect. Like, the 1991 World Series, the Twins and the Braves, yeah. for many years, Wow, look at Jack Morris. He's unbelievable. He's so clutch and everything else. And as you get away from it, and the numbers tell so much more of a true story, he was pretty good. You know, but he, he was lucky. And base in those there. days, yeah. uh, more so than now, that would have been heresy. So, fun to watch. And I was never distracted by any notion of sort of like the, the new thinking that goes on. I just know that in the last few years, it hasn't meant as much to me who won. But it doesn't mean I... I like the sport less. Yeah, that 91 World Series has come up on the show a couple times recently. Uh, actually, Jeff Pass and I were talking about it a few weeks ago. We were talking about the base running error that the Braves made. I think we were talking about how uh, Bumgarner has like the most innings, scoreless innings pitched uh, in an elimination game. And then there's one guy below him who I can't remember for whatever reason. And then in third place is Jack Morris at 10 innings. And they're all from that right. one World Series game, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I guess it's a, that's kind of a tip of the cap to Bumgarner, maybe that you know the third place guy on his record there is a guy who did it in one game. Uh, that's how few yeah. I guess are in that league. You know, I thought that was kind of a cool stat. I wish I could remember the second guy in between the two. I don't know why I can't. Um, I would guess I would guess it's somebody recent, just because there are more elimination games. But I don't know that. Yeah, that that's that is true. Uh, the sports guests are here finishing up with Mike Shope from uh, WGR fifty five. His show is on. Uh, every day uh, during the week, him and the Bulldog, uh, I believe it airs 3 to 7. I got that right? Yep. Yep. 3 to 7 on WGR. You can find Mike on Twitter. He's at S-C-H-O-P-P Talk. Uh, you can find him there. Uh, this is something that I kind of want to end on, and it's a radio question more than anything. I'm curious what you thought of everything we just talked about and what you might have done different or the same. Not because I'm interested in anything you, you think of me, although I, I'm, I don't mean that in any disrespect. I am interested. But I'm more interested in knowing how we use this time and how you might have done it the same or different if you were me. Just because I'm a radio nerd like that. And I think <laughs> you are too. And I'm just – I thought you'd be the perfect I've – I've had this question on my mind a lot. I thought you'd be the pers- perfect person to roll it out to. We just talked for about – 25-ish minutes, maybe a little less. How do we use the time, and should I have done something different or the same, or what do you think as a radio guy? Well, I'm flattered by your question, um, and I'm a, I'm a little bit uncomfortable really answering it because be. it would have to, it would be some, some judgment on, on yeah. you and your work. But That's okay. Go I, for it. What, what, what makes it, what I'll use to disqualify myself for this is that everybody has to know their own audience and what they're trying to do. And if you had me on to talk about the Bills blocking scheme as somebody who hosts a talk show in Buffalo, I could fudge my way through it. 
and that would be fine, and you could present me as someone with some credibility on the subject, but it wouldn't be very good. And, like, you'd have, there are other people you should call first. <laughs> um, radio happens to be one of my favorite subjects, and I really enjoy getting questions like, like yours, because to, do, to answer these, to ask them of myself and then answer them on the air or anything, to discuss them on the air, is sometimes I'm usually, I think I'm usually better off avoiding because I just don't think my audience generally would care that much about a lot of it. And see, that's the point. Like, you have to know what it is that people who come to you are interested in, in hearing. And that can be specific, that can be topic-related, that can just be, you know, whether it's intelligent or wacky or whatever sort of style you're going for. And then anything, anything within those boundaries is great. My hope and approach has always been that I'm very lucky to have whoever it is willing to give me some of their time. And what do I want to know or find interesting about them? And my hope is that my audience finds it interesting as well. You know, that's always been how I've approached it. So That's good. That, yeah. that's, that's how I was taught. Yeah. You have to be you. And just because, whatever, some, some group of the fan base is complaining that you don't do this or that, talk about something more often... The NBA might be a good example of that for me at work. Like, oh, you guys should talk more about the NBA. Well, they they don't know the most – people who criticize for that don't know the most important things. The most important things are that it's been decided, generally, that my audience, our audience doesn't really need or want that from us because there are other places where they can get it that will probably do a better job. It's also not been that interesting to me, so I would probably – be obvious that I was faking it. So um, there, there are reasons. There are reasons for these things. As as loose and um, maybe disorganized sometimes as our show might sound, it really isn't like that. <laughs> it, re- it really, it really, there really is a plan. Believe it or not. Show and the Bulldog airs daily Monday through Friday on WGR five fifty in Buffalo or online at WGR five fifty dot com. You can also find Mike on Twitter at Shop talk thanks very much for doing this mike and before i let you go do you have any questions for me (laughs) (laughs) i think you do a great job with this i'm really happy to be back on thank you it was a great uh great pleasure to have you i had fun talking radio thanks me too All right, I want to thank Mike Shope from WGR 550 for being on the show. also want to thank Bob McKenzie for being on a different show that I do so that we can play it on this show. Uh, you can find this show and all of our podcasts on our website, www.sports-casters.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at sports underscore casters. Don is at Don Lake Sports, and Anthony is at Dazer with three R's. Uh, you can also find the Lonely End of the Rink podcast, uh, soundcloud.com slash lonelyrinkpod and at lonelyrinkpod on Twitter. Uh, the first episode contains the interview you heard on this show with Bob McKenzie. Uh, next week, I believe we have Kevin Allen from USA Today oh, sweet. Uh, on the show. Uh, we tried to book Steve Levy, but he can't be on until after Monday Night Football. But Steve Levy is a commit. He'll be on when Monday Night Football ends. Real quick, yeah. going back to the Shope interview, did he remember doing the first one? Yeah, I believe so. Did he? Yeah. yeah I'm a big Shope guy. I know a lot of – he's polarizing here in Buffalo. They're obviously popular. They're, they've been in the number one slot forever. But. Followed me on Twitter today. 
Oh yeah, that's nice. huge. Yeah, Congrats. Got the Mike Shope follow. So he's an interesting Twitter DMs now. He's an interesting Twitter follow. Even if uh, you're not a fan of him, he's got a lot of interesting, quirky stats and. Did stuff. I plug everything appropriately? I, I think you got it all. All right, go ahead. All right, one last thing for me this week. Steve called it before we even started recording, but the this preview video for the Nintendo, which we're calling the NX, and maybe they still will, but the X stands for Switch, apparently. Oh, yeah, I thought it was called Nintendo Switch, no? I think it is, but okay. it, it had been called, like, the code name for it has been the NX, so I'm not sure if you look it up if it's, this is what's going to be called. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, I'm a big Nintendo guy. I love their first-party stuff, the Mario stuff, the Zelda stuff. Like well, explain the gimmick of it Mario first. Kart. It's almost a little bit like... Like, the Wii U had a tablet. So this kind of is a tablet, but the sides of the tablet kind of break off, and it, it sits in a dock, so you can play it at home, like, on your, your regular TV. Or if you want to, like, snap the sides, the controllers in, and you can lift the thing right out of the dock and keep playing with it in the bathroom. Or And how big is that tablet? I think it's, like, seven inches? six, seven inches, six, something seven. like that. Um, not a lot is rolled out about it. There was a three-minute video that was pretty cool. Uh, people are excited about the games they saw in there. The... There are some like rumored specs that were pretty old, um, and some of the stuff people don't like. But the one thing is it's going to be cartridge-based, so that does change how it operates. You don't need the specs to be as high with a cartridge-based system as you do for something that's like DVD-based or hard right. drive-based. So does that mean they'll be – Is there is, is are they going to use save disks, like save well, cartridges with as a well, cartridge, you can save right on onto the, cartridge. the cartridge itself. Yeah, so – I'm looking forward to it. It's it's gimmicky enough to be different, uh, but it's not so gimmicky that it feels totally crazy. It looks crazy. awesome. Like, yeah, it I think looks it's, cool. It's the, yeah. I think it's the perfect thing for just the world we live in. It's just to grab it and go or just sit in your living room. I and the one thing cool. I was – yeah, it's almost like they're trying to get both markets. Yeah. And it looks like when you, they, there's, in the video they have people that like each brought their system, and it looks like they're playing the games with each other just with different screens. It. It looks cool. Nintendo always hits a nice, sweet price point. So if it comes in at that like Wii two fifty three hundred dollar price point, I'm in. Wow, the cartridges for the games look really small. Yeah, um, I'm excited like, for it. Uh, they remind me of uh, what was the system that used the those? DS? DS, yeah. yeah. Wow, this thing's cool. It looks yeah. cool. And people get into console wars. We've taught. We've had the book, the console wars on right. there. For Blake me, Jay Harris. now that I have a little more disposable income, for me, it's like. I don't really compare this to the other two. Like, I'd want the specs to be somewhat close. I don't want it to feel like I'm buying a generation behind, like, after the other ones have already come out. But for me, it's like, if I want Nintendo games, I'm going to buy a Nintendo. If I want something a little more different or maybe a little more for, like, party or casual play. Sports games. can't beat Nintendo. But if I want something for like, oh, I thought you were going the other way. No, okay. Yeah, there's stuff, a good. That's yeah, when that's you, when you would want the PS4, PS4 or the or Xbox, and for no. Nintendo, you want their their IP. You yep, want that exactly. stuff. You know, you want so, the Mario Brothers and the Zeldas and those things. So I almost feel like they're not Mario even competing Party. for the same. Yeah, I agree. Market for me, what competes is like my PC. Maybe competes with the PS4 or the right. I mean, I haven't upgraded my PC in forever, but still, the same point holds. Like, I'm gonna play those games there. That's not what I'm buying. A Nintendo for, but you know, I, I'm excited. It's, it's kind of smart by them just to not even waste money just to even compete with the PS4. Just stick to what you know because you know the, the base is there. I mean, ideally, the biggest problem they always run into by not like competing, I'm, I'm sure they would say they're competing, but is they don't get great third-party games. So right, right, hopefully no. they can get that They really support. haven't since like Super Nintendo, right? Right. I mean, they've had those games on there, but you don't talk to a lot of people that were like, oh, I played the new Madden for the Wii. Right, it hasn't you know been I mean? since like, like, well, N64 probably. So that was after Super Nintendo. Right, the N64 had like Blitz and that. Yeah. And, but 
But, you know, maybe this is a, will turn out to be a decent system for sports games, too, with they actually show in the, in the video. Yeah, an NBA game. Them playing the NBA game against each other. That'd be cool. No, it looks really cool. I would try it out. Another interesting thing. And like you said, it's like 250 bucks, maybe. I, that's what their price point has been. Right. So I'm it's hoping they so do if that. they're around there. And if, like, what was their, uh, the 3DS came in at about like 150. So, I mean, maybe they price it really aggressively, like, a, like 200, like somewhere right in between. Cause it seems like it's trying to catch both markets. They're portable and they're at home markets. So. Could be a big resurgence for them in the next couple of years. If they get serious about making apps again and they have a really big presence in mobile. Yep. And then if this system hits like we did, you know, Nintendo's been quiet for the last couple of years, but are they, are they, it comes uh, out in March. Are they owned by something right. bigger, or is it just Nintendo? No, it's no. Nintendo. Okay. Wow, good for them. So, yeah, so I know my, my last thing, we talked about um, the NFL a bit earlier, just the ratings, but I was watching, you know, I've been watching Red Zone all year. It's just, I don't think there's many good teams or, or good quarterbacks. It's, I think just the level of play has gotten really shitty, uh, and it's tough to... It's tough to like argue against the ratings. I mean, I I honestly haven't watched. I mean, these primetime games have been awful, and yeah. they take so long. I like I look forward to Saturdays more. I, I think college football has well, been. You can't make the so long argument and then follow it up with you look forward to college football. I mean, nothing's longer than a college football game in all. Of sports. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, mean but if, if you're going to be long, if you're going to be long and slow, I I rather have long and exciting. I mean, if you watch some of the Tennessee games this year, they're coming back from 28 points in those games. Yeah, sure they're long, but I mean, there's some serious action there. I just I don't know. I think the NFL, yeah, the ratings are tough, but I just don't think the play's been good and, and that's something that, you know, people I don't know if they're looking at, but I mean, there might, isn't a lot of teams that are good. You might have hit it with the quarterbacks. Um, it felt like we had a golden age, and but I mean, when your guys like Brady was suspended, Rodgers is something's wrong with Rodgers. Uh, Russell Wilson's on two bad legs right now. It, Luck's team stinks. Luck's team stinks, even though he's playing kind of better this year. Newton. And then Roethlisberger's out. Newton still he's a baby. baby. Yeah, he's walking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, honestly, who's who's the second? Who's behind Brady? Who would you pick if you didn't have to pick Brady? Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Well, sure, yeah, Brees. Right. But his team's defense is terrible like yeah i mean he does I mean, everything they, he can to win i mean then last week to win he needed 460 yards and 41 points and he did it and right I, if that but i mean if the saints right now were sitting at five and one or six and oh maybe they're a bigger maybe breeze is a oh, huge yeah i wasn't saying year. the saints are good you no, asked right. who i thought the second best quarterback is and i think the answer that's, right is, now is yeah. breeze i would agree with that but maybe the, like that's why maybe he does, he gets a little buried is because yeah because they're not any good and, right. even, and even some of the young guys yeah sure Dak prescott's been great but i mean bortles has declined I mean, Derek Carr has been great, but I mean, even their young guys, Jameis Winston hasn't been good. So Derek Carr is interesting. He's kind of an emerging guy. I think the Raiders are an interesting team to watch. Yeah, I took them to win think, the Super Bowl. I think, I mean, I'm not a, I don't hate the Cowboys because they beat the Bills 100 years ago in the Super Bowl, but I think that team could win the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think they're a great team, though. Like, you're talking about teams that are great. I, I think it's maybe the Patriots. It and could that be, might be it. It could be another year where a team that was like, this could be a year where a team like the Giants team that won right, could just win. Get hot, just right get time, in, you know, yeah. just yeah. get in. And I think if you get in, there's no, there's maybe one team in each conference that you're going to look at and say, "All right, that's the game we got to win. If we can win that game, we can go to the Super Bowl." Unless that Minnesota defense is the Raiders or Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Well, I think like, you just I mean, say there's one in each side. There's Minnesota right now at this point. You say there's one team in each league that's kind of separated itself. You have Minnesota. And then you have New England. And then below them, on each side, you have Buffalo and Pittsburgh. And then you have um, Dallas and... Seattle? Maybe only... Oh, and Atlanta. 
We'll say Atlanta. Yeah, okay, Atlanta, sure. Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'll say that right now, those are the top six teams in the league in some way. But yeah, they gotta uh, if you put three and three. Like you said, they got to fix the primetime games. Oh. I, I know I ask you this every year, but they it's can't, tough. You they set them in flex. April. They can't flex until. You can't flex to a different day, especially Thursday. Well, no, right. <laughs> they need to do is, first of all, drop Thursday. That, that was a good experiment. It failed. Goodbye. Get rid of Thursday. That would be huge help, I think. Everyone talks about that. Even fantasy guys always talk about how, especially the team that has to travel on that short yeah. week, it's just it's not good quality You got 16, football. 17 guys on the injury report every yep. Thursday game. You know, guys' bodies aren't ready to play. Uh, everyone has to play once. That means even the Browns have to be in one of those Thursday night games. Yeah, even the Bills. Like, when they were yeah. terrible, they had some boring. What, what is the flex rule? Because my buddy was asking me, like, if, if the Bills are 5-2, and two, that Pats game, why don't they just flex it? I'm like, I don't think it starts. I heard the reason that... they wouldn't flex it is because they have the Giants that night. And is Cowboys it Giants-Cowboys yeah. that night? Yeah. Oh. So, but I thought they could only flex after a certain that's week. That's what I thought, too. I think it's... Like we, like I think that might be the first week. No, oh, that's the first week. Because they've been putting it earlier and earlier. Okay. But I think yeah, they this, wouldn't do it for the Giants. That Giants game would be yeah, they're that's not going to do that. Yeah. So I think it's eight days out, right? Is that right? It's that it has to, the week before the week of the game. Okay. And then only the last week can be the week of the week of the game. I think. Yeah, okay. maybe that's it. Maybe it's just mediocre football. Yeah. All right. One last thing for me today, I hit sort of a daddy checkpoint. And I'm proud of myself this week. <laughs> okay. So, how old is your little girl again? She just About turned three? four months. Four months. So, I knew that when my wife went back to work, and it would be just me and her together, there'd be an adjustment. It'd be tough. It'd be a grind. Grind. You know, I've been home all this time, but you know, fighting a disease. Now I have to do that as well as taking care of her, mm. doing this podcast, doing my other podcast. Um, I knew it'd be a bit of a grind, and this week. My my mother-in-law had vacation. So I knew if I could get her to this week, I'd kind of get a week off to recover. Then my next checkpoint after this is Thanksgiving. Okay. You know, I'll get a short week there, a long weekend. <laughs> short week. <laughs> I love it. Then the checkpoint after that is Christmas because Tammy will get off from whatever the last day of school after New is until yeah. after New Year's. So a nice long point there. And then we're talking about, I think – getting over the hill then you know when you get past seven months now you're starting to deal with a different kind of a baby yeah and you kind of reset in 2017 and see where you're at and you know it changes i think sleeping is a little bit more scheduled by then and sleeping gets better but actually watching them gets tougher because they start to get mobile like when it starts crawling <laughs> right. and stuff that's that's the worst yeah. like, you get so excited for crawling and walking and you're like why did i want this i used yeah. to be able to kind of trap them in places well, i don't want to go on and on and on for long today but i did feel like i got to a bit of a checkpoint well congrats you yeah, got them happy work. to be there <laughs> and uh now i just got to grind it out to thanksgiving 